This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Here we are, everybody. We're back. Another forever mighty post-game show. It's Patrick and Eddie talking about an amazing game tonight. I don't know if you guys are watching it all, but uh, if you're a fan of the Ducks, um, you probably weren't too happy about tonight's gaming. It's the Kings. The Ducks fall to our rivals 4-1. to one. Uh, Kings sealed it up on an empty netter there at the end of the game. But uh, let's be honest here, man. That was a tough watch. That was a very, very tough watch. It's the Willie Desjardins factor. I mean, he comes in and they look like a completely oh. different team. Am I right? Or is it just the fact that Do the they? Ducks just... No, the Ducks just played like shit. So. There was no shots on goal between both these teams for like almost the first seven minutes. It's a war of shot attempts again. Yeah. No. Except, we... except nobody nobody gets any. No. It was it was a uh, not a very good game played. I feel like by Anaheim, clearly, they weren't able to get things done. Um, if for those of you who were hiding under a rock who are NHL fans. I know most of our fans here are Ducks fans, clearly. But uh, John Stevens fired on Monday uh, for the LA Kings. Willie Desjardins takes over as head coach in LA. A lot of people think that was probably supposed to be Rob Blake getting fired, but you can't really do that when he just took over. Um, Stevens takes the fall for probably what you would say is roster management. Um, yeah. All accounts is... Uh, is Stevens is a great coach and Willie taking over is more of a, uh, he's, he seems like a player's guy. So I feel like he's going to fit in and, and help the Kings out. But uh, the ducks just aren't able to show up. Getzloff. Has he been in the lineup for a win? Uh, yeah. The last game, right? No, no, uh, no, no. You no, didn't no, play in that one. Yeah. Uh, the ducks are 05 and two has to be right. Has to be maybe the beginning of the season. I have to go yeah. check. But I know at one point he the started the 5 and two team, with him know? in the lineup. He misses the game that Cal that Cal Cam Fowler gets a hat trick, and the and the Ducks win that game. He comes back. Tonight. Well, here comes all everybody coming out of the woodwork saying, "We gotta fire. We gotta get rid of Ryan Getzlaff. That's why we're losing." Clearly, yeah, it's it's definitely the best player on the ice's fault. Um, just want to put yeah. that out there. One hundred percent agree. Uh, <laughs> there are people out there that would say that for sure. Uh, Getzlaff back in the lineup. Gibeon Net. Um, Interesting defensive pairings tonight, too, Eddie. You got Fowler and Walensky, Lindholm and Larson, Pedersen and Montour. Uh, unfortunately, Manson's still out on the IR. 
Do you even see, yeah. do we even know what happened to Manson at this point? No, I think we asked this yesterday too. I don't. We I, I, have no what idea. happened to him? Yeah. He, he commented after one of the games that he, the last game he played in, and seemed fine. And now he's out. I don't, I don't he was know. skating today, so I don't know. I mean, he must be close to being back, but he's on the IR, so I have. I mean, I mean, he's probably on the IR, so they can bring somebody up. To be honest, is but... it an upper body or lower body? Oh, I don't even know. I think it's upper body, but I, I have to go back and look um, what they said. But yeah, it kind of messes up the pairings again. They had what they did the last game, where they took the three regulars and played them with the three rookies, pretty much. Yep. I guess if you want to consider Pedersen and Walensky rookies, but uh, I, I didn't work again. Surprise, surprise. I think at one point they went back to Lindholm and Montour. They pretty much did what they've done the last few it games. It was were, brief, very brief. Yeah, but they just they play with everybody, it seems like. They'll have one guy they play most of the night with, but then he'll end up playing like two minutes with somebody else or a couple, like a minute here with somebody else. So, And that's at five on five, which is something you don't, I guess, see necessarily that often, especially last year. So I don't know. I don't know. The defense pairings are a mess, but I mean that's not that's not the main issue, is it? The main issue isn't the defense pairings. What would you say the main issue is? Well, the coaching style, obviously, but I think on, on offense, this team just can't score any goals, and they can't get set up to to even get in a position to get good scoring chances. So, yeah, the defense is an issue, and and of course, losing Josh Manson hurts, but the, the offense has been the main problem all year. I mean, the defense has been healthy. You think putting them in their regular pairings is going to change anything? I don't necessarily think it's going to make anything that much better. But um, you haven't tried it, so we tried it for one game, and I guess that was enough for Randy Carlisle to say it wasn't going to work. But what has Randy really done this season that has worked? So I mean, nothing. It's it's been a brutal start to the season. I mean, Connor in our chat on speaker said. I haven't been able to tune into any podcast this year, so I'm not sure your thoughts on the team. But the games aren't even fun to watch anymore. This team isn't capable of winning a playoff round, let alone the cup. I am all right with tanking, to be honest. Um, I've never been a fan of tanking. I get where he's coming from. It's frustrating. So, like, fans want this. Uh, we'll get more into this in the postgame show, but. You know, fans want this idea where you know you want to get something out of a, out of losing a season, but I mean, just nothing's guaranteed. It, it, it's too tough yeah. to gauge you know how you're going to do in the draft for next summer if you tank. But uh, we can get to more into that as we get through this. We got to talk about this game because there were some positives, but I mean, the Ducks just weren't able to convert. Uh, the first period was pretty sloppy. Um, Ducks just haven't been able to figure out how to get out of their own zone. Uh, turnovers. There was a, a a situation here where the Ducks didn't have a shot on goal for the first like six minutes. Yeah. I think it only yeah, well, all the way to nobody seven minutes. had like nobody nobody did. had a shot on goal for the first six minutes. It was like thirteen fifty three. It was zero zero in shots, and everybody was blocking. Pretty much everybody was blocking shots, which was the big thing. But no team could generate anything. And then it seemed like every shot that would get close to the net would just go wide or get deflected. Like Kovalchuk, I think, had a half breakaway, and uh, I believe it was Larson, Larson got, in the way. got yeah. a stick on it. And, yeah, it, on both ends of the ice, it was either block shot, miss shot. Nobody could get any chances on net, which the I guess is the one time he got in the way when he was supposed to. Larson, by the way. Yeah, the epitome of, of both teams' seasons so far that they can't get any offense generated. Yeah, and it's tough not to be negative here, but I mean, let's let's just say it for what it is. The, the Ducks look lost, 
Eddie, I, I, watching this game, I mean, look at their in their D zone. They spend so much energy trying to get the puck out of their own zone. You have guys stationary along the high wall uh, near the blue line, and by the time they get the puck, they're looking to center the puck for a streaking guy up the middle. Either he's there, or and he's and he's covered, or he's there, and they miss the pass. It, it's it's just it's dumbfounding to me. Where yeah. what happened between last year and this year? Where we couldn't figure out how to do a breakout. I mean, they weren't great last year either, but they've just been substantially worse this year, where they can't break the puck up from their own end. And I think it again, it comes to the fact that they've tried to speed up an already awful system that wasn't that great at generating offense last year. The Ducks were not a good offensive team. I believe I think they finished the, the season bottom third in goals per game or at least they were most of the season in, in the bottom third for goals per game. Trends continued this year. The only thing that they've changed is they've tried to speed up Randy Carlisle's system, which we've talked about multiple times, and then all that has done is just created a, a much more disorganized system that the players really have no idea what's going on. And you try breaking out in, in a system like that from the back end, it, it obviously hasn't worked. You can even look at it. You can see Monto and Fowler and Lindholm especially, those guys who are, are tasked with generating play from the back end. When they look up the ice, they have no idea what they're looking for. They just have no idea what's going on, where somebody's supposed it's to like be. It's like there's nobody just, open. Nobody comes back to help them out, right? Like They're alone to try to create, to create anything. The three forwards fly the zone, but then they all get covered for like man coverage on the other end. And then the team might even the team might be playing zone defense and they're still all covered somehow. I don't understand how it, it, nobody is ever open. I don't get but, it either. You figure that yeah. somebody would be able to figure this out between last season and this year where you're you're able to get a pass off. Um the Ducks did get a lot of chances in the first half of this period. I, I it was a horrible first period, despite whatever television is gonna tell you. If you were watching the Ducks broadcast you know, Hazy said, oh, it was a decent period by the Ducks. It's like, what are you watching? They couldn't yeah. get anything going. But uh, unfortunately, Cogliano takes a you know a, an inadvertent high sticking penalty. Kings go to the power play. They get their first two shots on goal, and they bury it. Kovalchuk with a wild backhand shot on net. Brown in front is able to somehow get a freaking stick on it with Lindholm all over him. It, it just barely redirects, goes just inside the post. Gibby has no chance, and now we're looking at a one nothing deficit coming in uh, the first period here. Yeah, it, it's a tough one because it, it really wasn't a play that you expect to go into the back of your net. Uh, Kovalchuk's just kind of thrown into the net hoping something happens, and I, I don't know if I want to blame this on bad coverage in front of the net. I don't think anybody expects Dustin Brown to get a piece of this, especially where the puck was I'm going burn my at jersey. that point. Hold on a second here. You're going to burn <laughs> What, did somebody just in the kidding, chat say that? It's just too hot. It's too hot. Too many I'm hot too takes irritated. in the podcast, I guess. I'm just too irritated. I'm like just sitting there going, why am I wearing this? It's frustrating me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wear one every game because I feel like if I'm wearing a T-shirt, I look like an idiot. But anyway, let's, let's, Thanks. let's fin finish talking about about the goal. Uh, Dustin Brown again. I, I, Lindholm and Fowler are both there in front of the net to kind of disrupt what he's doing. But he's allowed to just turn around and – get a stick on that puck and again you can't really blame it on john gibson but it's one of those plays where you just chalk it up to you can't really blame it on anybody and i hate to say that it sounds like such a cop out you know, like trying to give some credit at least to lindholm and fowler in front of the net for not uh, for not covering him fully but it's a tough one to allow but it's one of those that you sit back and you say eh, not much you really could have done on that play you can't stop everything 
You can't. Well, yeah. it, it, it's yeah. going to happen. John Gibson. Yeah, right. He, he, he's been human as of late, right? I mean, yeah. he's, he's been a goalie. He hasn't been the superhero the Ducks have had in net. Um, I actually noted a point in this game where the Ducks were able to uh, create a breakout cleanly and then get offensive zone time and put – but holy crap, a breakout. What's going on? What's going on here? That's just the kind of season it's been going on. Um, the Ducks end up getting a power play here. Uh, Fanoff off for a high stick. And it was a hell of a power play if you're talking about zone possession. But uh, they didn't really get grade A opportunities. I mean, they got pucks down low and pucks near Campbell. But I, I mean, I know they had the Kings hemmed in for quite some time in that power play. It was probably close to 90 seconds or so. They had them hemmed in for the two-minute penalty. But nothing where I was like, oh, shoot. Oh, are you kidding me? They're going to get a goal here. It was all yeah. perimeter movement by the Ducks and, they, and, and, and just generating chances. But the Kings were really good at getting in front of these shots, blocking shots, getting in passing lanes. The Ducks couldn't generate anything here. No, there's a good chance by Fowler where he gets a cross-ice pass and he really should one-time it, and uh, he ends up taking it a little bit into his possession and then decides to go with the shot after that. Yeah. And he allows both Kings players to get right in front and block it, and then it's uh, Nate Thompson who clears it out with his hand, and that was after a, a, about a minute, I think, or a little bit under a minute of sustained pressure by the Ducks on the power play. But, yeah, I mean, even when they have control on the power plates, all passes around the perimeter. It's passes down on the outside of the circle, pass behind the net, pass between the two guys at the blue line. It's There's there's really no threat. And then any shot that gets through, the only screen you have, or it, the only guys in front of the net, are the Kings players in this case that are blocking the shot. I, I mean, there, there's nothing really set up. Montour gets in a position where he gets a one-timer. But there's nobody in front of the net. It's, it's an easy shot for Campbell to see and, and absorb. So, yeah, they're getting movement. Yeah, there's quick passes on the on the power play. But you're not getting in dangerous positions to really make those quick passes. Hey. Well, and then you know, how do we solve the problem of the sloppiness in the defensive zone? Because that's what kind of results in the second goal here. Um, the Ducks, you know, they just they aren't able to get anything generated on the power play. The Kings kill the penalty. Uh, the Ducks continue to look sloppy in their own zone. Um, you know, the broadcast had mentioned a few games ago about Fords not coming back and helping enough. And then remember that yeah. they, they in particular pointed out a time that Kessler came all the way back in below the circles, picked the puck up, was able to help skate it out. I get it. You need that sort of defensive zone coverage. I understand that it's necessary, but there's just something about this team that looks confused with the pairings. Um, I mean, Lindholm on this goal here, Kyle Clifford's able to get in all alone on a nice pass from Alex Martinez. So you have a defenseman and you have a, a bruiser uh, contributing to the goal here against the Ducks uh, for the second goal. Yeah. Um, they get caught in a line change. Lindholm, I, I, I'll agree, overcommits on Martinez. You know, I would say he overcommits on him there. But uh, it, it just, what are you supposed to do at that point? You're rushing off the bench. Uh, Larson's short to get there and cover there, and all of a sudden it's two nothing at this point. Uh, you can't really blame Gibby at this either. You have a guy down low one on one. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. He makes he makes a guess and misses, and now it's two nothing. Well, Montour clearly has no idea that nobody is back there to help him because he actually has Clifford or Montour, in a good position. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got Clifford in a good position, and he goes over to Alec Martinez and points at the defenseman that he assumes is there to go over and to take Kyle Clifford, but nobody's there. And, and 
that that's a little bit on Brandon Montour for not looking around and being a little bit more aware of where your uh, your defense partner is. I mean that that's a lot on him, but it also is on. I believe it, he was out there, like you said. I think he was out there with Hampus Lindholm at that point. Yeah, he was. I, uh, so that's on Hampus Lindholm for not being in that position. They weren't on a change. He just wasn't back, and then they had nobody else back. I mean, this was a two on four that turned on that turned into a two on one in a matter of seconds because Sam Carrick and Ben Street, or sorry, Sam Carrick and, and Brian Gibbons weren't even back checking enough to really make up for the fact that Monto was by himself. I mean, they're skating in down in the play. They can clearly see that Brandon Montour is alone and that there's no other defenseman. Montour is the only one skating backwards that can't see that he's by himself. But no, nobody I... lets him know. Nobody backchecks hard enough to get Kyle Clifford. Kyle Clifford's not a fast guy. And you look at Sam Carrick, who can't even catch him. And when he has a step on him. It's brutal to watch. I had the goals flip-flopped. I had the third goal and second goal flip-flopped because it was it was similar play. But, uh, no, you're right. It definitely was Montour and Lindholm out there for that second goal. Um, I don't know what to say, man. I don't know what this fast system's doing. But on defense, it's not doing much. Don't have the Ducks get out of their own zone. It's 2 nothing at this point. Ducks go back on the power play on a hooking call by Iofalo on Cogliano. Nothing really happens. Uh, the, the, the Kings get away from uh, this this power play easily from the Ducks. Um, the Ducks outshoot the Kings in the first period, 8-7, to seven, but they're down 2 nothing going into the first intermission. Um, overall thoughts of the first period? I mean, the, like I said, the broadcast said it was a good first period. I didn't get that feeling whatsoever. No, I, I don't necessarily see where they get that from. I mean, is it a good first period in the sense the Ducks didn't get completely outshot and, and the Kings didn't have double-digit shots? If that's what you're classifying as a good first period, then sure. But, I mean, the shots were 8-7. to seven. The Kings had two goals. Yeah, the Brown goal was one that you can't really chalk up and blame anybody necessarily right out. But the second goal is just bad coverage on defense, bad back-checking by Sam Carrick and uh, Brian Gibbons. Uh, that's on the Ducks for that play. And then on, on on offense, they couldn't get anything going. They didn't generate any chances. The only chances they had were on that power play, but those weren't even grade-A scoring chances either. I thought it wasn't a, a great period at all. It's one of the worst they've had in a while because they played pretty well the last game. And then the third period against the Rangers, they played pretty well. So I think that's the worst period they've had since then. It's brutal. The Kings are the last team in the division, by the way. Um, yeah. figured this should be a, a game the Ducks should be up for. These are points you have to get. They fired their coach for a reason. I mean, yep. it's not like they were doing good and they fired him. They they were on a losing streak just like the Ducks. They won one game, 4-1 convincingly, and then they fired their coach and the, the, for a reason because they weren't playing well. And then they made the Ducks look stupid in this game. There was no – I don't know if there wasn't any effort or the Kings are just really good defensively as a team because as we get started in this second period, um, it's it's just a repeat at the beginning of the first. The Ducks just fumble the puck in their own zone, can't complete correct passes. Um, and as I was typing, literally the line that I had in my notes here was, my God, can we go back to the old pairings from last year? The Kings scored. Ilya Kovalchuk in alone on John Gibson. Kings catch the Ducks on a bad change. This is how I, I flip-flopped these goals between the second and the third. It's now 3 yeah. nothing. This is where Lindholm overpressured. And uh, and Kovalchuk was left open, but I mean Larson was way behind coming off the bench on this play, and leaves Kovalchuk exposed. And it, yeah, it's it, a problem here. It was a bad change that really led to it. But again, I mean Larson, I, maybe he doesn't have enough time to get back, but he really doesn't motor 
to try and get back to stop Ilya Kovalchuk. And, and I like to try and give credit to some players on the opposing team for making good plays here. And I think you have to give some credit to Jack Campbell for even trying to attempt making that pass out to, to Tyler yeah. Toffoli. 100%. It completely fools the Ducks. I mean, nobody's ready. The only one who's in a somewhat good position is uh, Hampus Lindholm. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I have to give some credit to, to Lindholm. But Larson, that's a bad play by Jakob Larson, who he, when he's not able to get back for that. I I don't know what to say on that. He hasn't looked good since he's been called up, really. He hasn't looked that great. And when you're allowing a deadly goal scorer like Ilya Kovalchuk in a position like that, he's going to make you pay. Deadly? You're giving him the term deadly already? I thought you didn't like this. Well, I mean, what are you talking about? I didn't, but, I mean, he he is – considered a deadly goal scorer i mean <laughs> i think that was his fifth of yeah, the year right of the khl yeah no he leads the kings in scoring yeah um, it was so a hell of a play a... by campbell to create that chance though i i felt like campbell yeah you know really started that whole play for the kings for sure um i agree it's it's hard to put it directly on a single player but uh like you said it didn't look like larson was motoring off the bench to get involved in the play he was a little slow uh kovalchuk is able to beat gibby five hole it makes it you know, at this point, three nothing. Um, the Ducks just don't look great. They, they still are finding ways to be sloppy. Uh, I feel like the, even in the neutral zone, you know, turning little pucks over here, getting stopped up at the blue line. I don't know what it is about this team, but um, the coaching staff either has just significantly changed the way they play between last season and this. I'd have to go back and look because it, it the, the change is so stark to me. Um, on how they're doing it. I'm like, what? what is going on here? We have the same team, literally the same team. Uh, you have a few injuries, sure, to significant players. And there's no Richie in the lineup. You have no Kasha in the lineup. You have no Perry in the lineup. I understand. No man's in the lineup. But even when they've been in the lineup minus Perry, it hasn't looked great. Um, so they need to figure something out here, whether it's a coaching change, which we can get to towards the end of the show. But, I mean, it's it's hard to talk about the same thing over and over again. When we got to start looking for answers, Eddie, because – there's got to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, there's no way that the, the Ducks are going to call this season a total loss. They're going to yeah. have to try to make the playoffs at this point. They're, they're not ever going to try to tank as much as people think that they're going to. But as we get along in this period here, Eves and Raquel and Henrique come close to convert on Campbell. Campbell makes a pad save, and it just misses the post. So some life here for the Ducks in the third period. Uh, Eves has another chance, so you see the momentum starting to roll. And then Ryan Kessler, of course, he would score against the Kings, is able to get the redirect by Pedersen from the point. This makes it a 3-1 game, some life in the Ducks' legs. And then randomly, Gibbons is on the ice with blood all over his face. Uh, you go to replay, he gets, he, was it Cogliano that gets shoved into him? Yeah, he spins off into Cogliano. I think Jeff Carter kind of pushes Cogliano into Gibbons too. And he gets shouldered or elbowed in the face. He ended up being okay, but it was a... A weird play because he got clipped high and he was bleeding. So tough for him. But, I mean, Ryan Kessler, who else, right, against the Kings to score a goal than the guy that's termed the Kingslayer. So which is great funny. for him. He's had four goals this year now. 13 which, games? Yeah, which isn't great, but it's, I think it's tied for the lead with the Ducks. <laughs> so so that is <laughs> great. How dare you try to diminish that? Yeah, not. I mean, not the best. Like, it is a great tip from him. Um if if that's a setup by Marcus Pedersen, I like the attempt to go for that tip and to go for that play. I don't know if either he he just missed wide 
or he was actually going for that play. Um, but one of the better offensive chances we've seen from Marcus Pedersen, at least to, to have a nice setup on that goal. But you would think that would generate some momentum, wouldn't you? But it, I guess it really didn't. They didn't look too much better after that goal. No, there, there wasn't a lot of chances. Uh, Chris Smith in our chat mentions the Kings played a good defensive game. You guys aren't giving enough credit to LA's gap control tonight. I'd like to give them kudos on that, but this is not a good team. The Kings, like we just said, fired their coach for a reason. This is not a fantastic team. Um, yeah. when, you, when you get by the Drew Doughty, uh, and you look at this defensive core here. It's nothing that's scary. I mean, Jake Muzzin is a good player. I was gonna say you don't like you don't like Jake Muzzin. I mean, maybe there was an argument for a while, like who really drives the bus? Is it Jake Muzzin or Drew Doughty? And it's like oh, Jesus Christ, it's Drew Doughty. Get out of here. Um, and they have some decent players in these teams. I understand that, but uh, you have a rookie goalie in net. I don't care how talented he's he's gonna be. Um, you have a team here that uh, should be down on their luck. They're, they, you know, they fired like they, like we said a million times already. They fired the coach for a reason. Um, yeah, the Ducks aren't in a great spot either. But I feel like when you're facing a team like this, you come out with a little more jump in your game, and you would play play better. Uh, I was actually shocked that Lundstrom was was scratched tonight. To be honest, yeah, I, I, that was very curious to me that they would take him out of the lineup. I thought he's played pretty well and would have been useful tonight. It didn't turn into a good decision because Sam Carrick did not look good at all. I actually don't the know why. Physicality from him. Like, that's why he was. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know why he was re- rewarded a second game with this team because he didn't look good in the last game. He had a decent scoring chance at one point, I think, but that was it. And he didn't really deserve, in my eyes, to get another game tonight, especially over Isaac Lindstrom, who's looked pretty good in pretty much every game. He was really good, I think, in the last game. Um, he got an assist setting up Cam Fowler for one of Cam Fowler's goals, and I thought he deserved to play, but somehow the Ducks and Randy Carlo seemed to think that Ben Street, Brian Gibbons, and uh, Sam Carrick all deserved to be in the lineup over um, over Isaac Lindstrom. So I don't know. I don't know what the the thought process is of that. I hope he's in the next game because Sam Carrick, again, didn't look good at all. He looked worse in this game. Ben, uh, Brian Gibbons didn't look that great, so... Who knows? Who knows? I hope it doesn't mean bad things for Isaac Lindstrom. I hope it doesn't mean that uh, he might get sent down. Maybe it's just a little bit of, of a rest because he's played in pretty much every game so far since he's come into the lineup. So I hope he's back. I, I think until Kasha and, and until the other guys come back and get healthy, I think he's a guy who can contribute to this lineup. And, and I like him as a potential third or fourth line center, depending on what you're going to do with Adam Henrique. Yeah, no, I, I like him too. Um, and the, and the Ducks are facing a really good, or on you know, for lack of a better word, on fire Flames team tomorrow. The Flames are playing really well, so the Ducks are gonna have their work cut out for them tomorrow night because they're gonna be coming in off a back to back or starting the second half of a back to back. So they need to figure something out in order to, to to try to be more competitive. Because if you're playing this bad of a team in LA and you can't even get anything going, what's it gonna look like when you're playing a much faster team? And a better team with Calgary. They're they're your team that you uh, that you like yeah. this season from the Pacific Division. So you get to see your uh, your your favorite, <sighs> your second favorite team play against your favorite team. Oh, don't that. use don't use that word with me. I'm gonna piss <laughs> a lot of people off, but I hate the whole second favorite team thing. I can't. I, I understand. Like if you wanna you wanna support a team, I guess you could say, or you you like this team, or you no, nah, you, you just like a team. Maybe well, the hockey's fun to watch. We're all hockey fans. The, ter- the term second favorite team 
bothers me so It'd much. It'd be a problem if your second favorite team was San Jose or LA. I'd be like, man, nah, no, you can't do that. Because it's like at, at that point, like, do you equally like them both? So like, what do you do when they play each other? And like, do you like you flip every now and then? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. As for the Flames, like, yeah, I, I picked them as being top of their second in the division behind the Sharks this year. Um, right now, I think they're leading the division, or unless uh, Edmonton lost today and Vancouver also lost, but they got a point. So I think Calgary is still leading, but they've been unbelievable. I mean, that trade for Dougie Hamilton, I liked it a bit more for Carolina at the time, but Elias Lindholm has come in and been uh, just unstoppable playing with Monahan and Goodrow, which I guess you could expect when you're playing with players like them. Noah Hannafin's come in and been decent, but the rest of that team has just un- been unbelievable, and they've had some decent goaltending here and there from Mike Smith. So I don't know. It's 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 not going to be a good look. I'm I'm really not looking forward to tomorrow's game because it's a rested Calgary team against a tired Ducks team who just got beat up by the LA Kings, who are significantly worse than both the Flames and the Ducks, or should be, at least in the standings. So um, this could be an interesting show for us tomorrow. I, I don't know how it's going to go. Hopefully it goes well. That's what I'm going to say here. I'm, I'm not going to try to be too negative, but uh, no, the Ducks definitely have their work cut out for them. If you want to skip through uh, most of the rest of this game, because it's it's a lot of the same. Um, yeah. And it, the third period, the, the Ducks had some chances. Uh, Eves was pretty active tonight. I felt like he he played a he played a really good game. Uh, Henrique also played a really good game. Um, looking, I thought this game was going to get looking at the third period a lot more aggressive or chippier than it did muzzin blew up sherwood the neutral zone nothing really came of it um no big deal i mean yeah what are you gonna do you're gonna fight oh, whatever for what? a good hit though it's a clean hit, it was a hell so of a you, hit you're not gonna fight i'm surprised we didn't see a fight in this game because usually uh, we who's gonna fight in anaheim i don't know we usually see the emotions kind of no Manson, no richie and somebody fights maybe gets yeah. gonna fight but he's trying to score. I don't know. Sam Carrick, maybe he's trying to try and prove himself. Maybe, he and maybe he's going to fight. Jesus, there's a reason why he's in the lineup, right? I mean, clearly he's aggressive and physical. That's why they put him in the net or in the net on the ice. Um, Henrique again denied by Campbell in this period. The, Ducks yeah, the best two chances. Close. Yeah. They, they weren't, the Ducks didn't get enough of those. Uh, when they were inside on Campbell, they didn't get enough of them. Um, the Ducks end up letting in an empty netter here. Let's just cut to the chase to Foley. From Carter, it's four-one Kings empty net goal seals the deal. Let's get to uh, how we fix this, Eddie, or, or what we could do to better prepare. You know, in our opinion, for tomorrow against a much better team. Um, the Ducks. What do you do? I mean, they end <laughs> the losing do? streak at seven. They they yeah. had a hat trick out of the defenseman last game, which is great. Coming into tonight, I mean, we kind of felt like it would be a more competitive game. Right, I did. I thought this could be a hell of a game, and, yeah. it, and a lot of times it was boring. It was it was a pretty boring game to watch, uh, unfortunately. Whether you're a Kings fan or a Ducks fan, um, for tomorrow night, I think you really need to start from your scratches. You know, why are you scratching a guy like Isaac Lundstrom? Why do you have a guy like Carrick in the lineup right now? Uh, why'd you call up Chase DeLeo uh, and you're not playing him? Like he's yeah. he's a speed guy. He, he, you, why would you not give him a chance in the lineup to see what happens here? Um, you're playing guys that have like this this known value that you're going to get that I, I feel like the Ducks are kind of stuck on. They only they love playing guys they know what they're going to get out of them. They don't like playing anybody they don't know. But it's like how are you going to get anything out yeah. of somebody you don't know until you do it? And I feel like guys like Gibbons and Carrick and Street are just 
I mean, we know what their known quantities is, and they're not putting up the you know the points and the resource, and they're not using their resources correctly to get any sort of uh, you know a maximum effort out of this team. I just feel like they're wasted roster spots. I yeah, I don't I don't get one why Ben Street and Sam Carrick were in the lineup at all. Um, Isaac Lindstrom would have been a better option, and then at least giving Chase DeLeo a chance to see what he can do. I'm not saying he's going to be much better, but no. at least. I think he's a more creative player than Street and Carrick are. And, and then you've got a, a somewhat capable fourth line if you're going to have DeLeo with Lindstrom and, and Gibbons. Uh, that looks a little bit better than what they put out there. Um, and, and then you have to look at, I mean, maybe it's a little bit too soon to call back up Troy Terry, but he does have eight points in five games. He hasn't gone a game without getting a point since he's been down in San Diego. I think it's a bit too soon to call him up, but clearly he's the best player down there at this point. Um I don't know how much more he has to do or how long it goes before they decide to call him up. I mean, the Ducks have not been able to score goals at all this season. He struggled publicly when he was here, and we were crit- critical of him playing with Ryan Getzloff and not getting anything done. But uh, we both thought he needed a confidence boost, and I think he's getting that down in San Diego. Um, I don't know how long it takes before he gets called back up, how many guys they have to come up and experiment with before they decide that they need to call somebody up who can actually create some offense. Hopefully, Maxim Comtois is back soon. Still no real update on Andre Kasha. So I guess if, if Comtois comes back and Lindstrom checks back in the lineup, then you've got a fourth line of, of Lindstrom, Comtois, and Gibbons. That's not too bad. That's better than what we saw tonight. But uh, the Ducks have some options to make things a little bit better, and they're relying on guys like Ben Street and Sam Carrick to try and tilt the load for them. I mean, when you when you're talking about a guy like uh, like Kasha, you gotta you gotta just feel terrible. One because it's a concussion and his his livelihoods at stake here beyond hockey. But two, he was skating and close. The idea was he was close, and then now you're hearing that it's further away. So you you imagine he has some sort of setback. There's some sort of concussion symptoms that have come back when he started to push it, and that's common. It happens with guys who have had multiple concussions to try to come back. The symptoms come back. I'm not trying to put words in anyone's mouth or try to make any sort of medical assumptions, but that's just what it says to me. I think he's further away than most people think just because of that. They're going to be extra careful yeah. with a guy like that. And if anything pops back in into that uh, that area of symptoms, they're going to hold him out until they're gone. So I think the thing too, I think the thing too with concussions is um, people always get a little bit hyped up when a guy's skating again yeah. and the, they just kind of assume that means he's ready to come back but with a concussion i mean he can skate all he wants if he doesn't feel like he's ready to play he's not going to play no uh, a, a, a concussion for the most part doesn't prevent you from skating and taking part in in pro and practice with no contact and and just kind of being a part of the team so you're not completely out of it he can still skate but uh it doesn't mean he's anywhere close with, with come to it's a bit different because he had an injury so maybe him skating is a little bit of a good sign that he's coming back. And from all the reports that we've seen, that seems likely that he'll be back in the next few games. But And I guess same would go for Josh Manson. If he's skating again, likely he should be available sometime soon. But for Andre Kasha, I mean, for all we know, it could be days, weeks, months. It, it all depends on when he's feeling like he's ready to play again. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because he looked, he looked great in preseason. He yeah, was no, one of the did. better ducks. He, he's, I think, exactly what this team could use at this point. A lot of people have compared Kiefer Sherwood's impact to Andre Kasha, and I and I would tend to agree with that. I think Andre Kasha just provides that that I don't want to say game breaking ability because I don't know if he necessarily has that, 
but he has that offensive flair, I think, that, that Kiefer Sherwood doesn't, and something the Ducks have severely missed at points this year. Yeah, and they need scoring. They need guys to, yeah. get, to be able to pull the puck out of the dirty areas like Kasha's been able to do. He has no problem, no fear going into the corners and pulling no. the puck out making a play. And they really need a guy like that right now. I I, I feel like that, too. But just given what we're, what we're working with right now with the scratches, I, I feel like Lundestrom would be a, a huge addition in tomorrow night. He's a, he's a good skater. Uh, he's smart with the puck. And I think that's going to be necessary against the Calgary Flames team tomorrow. So we'll see what Randy and Bobby try to do with that. Um, getting to Bob Murray news. Murray was at the Knights-Lease game. Uh, uh, don't do this popped to me. up on Twitter. Uh, David Pagnota reported it from the fourth period. Uh, make of it what you will, everybody. But, I mean, the speculation's out there, which is hilarious because anytime that Bob Murray is anywhere watching any game other than the Ducks, everyone assumes a trade's coming. But then they all tend to forget that Bob Murray doesn't really shake things up and, and make the flashy move. But, uh, of course, what's the first thing that pops out? Nylander. Nylander rumors, yeah. When he, when Nylander's like not even playing. Dollars. Let's let's think about that a little bit here. Bob Murray is to wa- there to watch the Leafs in Vegas play hockey. William Nylander's not even playing. If it was, in my assumption, unless he somebody, I think somebody mentioned on Twitter, unless he's looking at pieces that could also be involved in a Nylander trade. Again, I, I if that that was the case, I doubt they would be on the Leafs current roster. I don't think those would be the pieces that would be involved in some type right. of trade like that. Um, then he he could easily call Kyle Dubas over the phone and discuss a, a Nylander trade without having to go all the way over. I think they were in Vegas tonight, I believe. I don't think it was in Toronto, was it? Mm, I have to go back and check. I thought it was Vegas. Yeah, let me let me double check here. It was just so, so it was actually in Toronto. So he was all the way in Toronto. Oh, in for Toronto. This game. Okay. Um, I mean, it could mean anything. Sure, it could mean he's there to finalize a William Nylander trade that's going to be announced tomorrow. No. Or it could mean he's literally just there to take no. in the Leafs and the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, the, I think in the same tweet, they had said that the only issue that it m- it m- might be interesting is because he wasn't listed as attending originally. It was uh, a Duck Scout, I think, who was attended, who was supposed to attend the game, and then he also came with them. Yeah, the, the director of game. player development, Rick Peters or Patterson, was on the list. But yeah, uh, no, I mean, it, it, again, it's Whatever. it's always like this. We we hear we see this near trade deadline. It becomes such a huge thing of like which scouts are attending which games, and it just becomes such a ridiculous thing near the end of the year. Like, oh, there's two Duck Scouts at. Like this Vegas Golden Knights game, well, does that mean they're going to make a trade for like Max Pacioretty or whatever, or James no, Neal if it was last year? But that you hear that all the time, you know right. what I mean? And and I, I wonder how many times it actually comes to fruition, how many times we, we see that where it's actually a trade. I mean, how many times did we see it last year, whereas Duck Scouts at this game, Duck Scouts at this game, and all the Ducks did last year was pick up Jason Chimera. So, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really mean anything. But again, I, I don't want to say it, it, it's not going to happen because if I say it's not going to happen, then of course the Ducks are going to somehow end up with William Nylander, and I'm going to look like an idiot. But I, I would just say don't get your hopes up because it could it could as easily mean nothing. It would probably be like a trade. Like it would be like Cam Fowler and Ricard Raquel for William Nylander. Yeah. And then nobody would be happy. <laughs> no, because that would be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't happen. It's not happening. That's why yeah. it's ridiculous. Um. Oh, and by the way, we had, we didn't mention it yet, but we have Josh Cooper. Uh, beat writer from the Athletic on the show tonight. We interviewed him about the Kings 
and some Ducks questions in there too, for sure. But we thought it was appropriate to put them on this show, clearly because all the craziness that happened with the Kings. So we didn't get too deep into it on our show here, but stay tuned. Uh, we're going to play the Josh Cooper interview at the end of the show where he talks about the Kings firings. And then we'll talk about Randy Carlisle, a little bit about the Ducks there. So great of Josh to come on the show. We appreciate it. But just kind of want to mention it right now. Um, a couple more things. Speaking of coaches that were fired, uh, the giant bomb dropped today. Joe Quinville gets fired from the Chicago Blackhawks. Blew me away, honestly. I couldn't believe that he was let go. Uh, the yeah. three-time Stanley Cup champion. He's getting paid $6 million a year. Uh, Stan Bowman lets him go. There was clearly, uh, as if, you, if anyone reads Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet, uh, there was clearly some smoke, and there's clearly, clearly fire where that smoke was um, when you're talking about problems in that organization between Joe Quinville and Stan Bowman. And Stan Bowman lets go of Joe Quinville at this point. Uh, I think he's the second winningest coach in the NHL, the most winningest yeah. coach from the Chicago Blackhawks. Not Joe Quinville's fault. The, the Hawks suck, right? I mean, this is this was a bad move. No. A bad Not move by the organization. I feel like. I think it's a mix of both him and Stan Bowman. I'm. I think more of the blame should probably go to Stan Bowman and how he structured this team. And 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 again, I mean, you they won three Stanley Cups. So, yeah, he, you know, they, they had to sacrifice some things contract-wise to get that done. And some bad contracts had to be signed. But in the end of the day, if you win Stanley Cups, eventually you're going to have a couple seasons like this where, the, the, you know, your cap issue is going to come back to haunt you and you're not going to be able to compete. And you're going to get to that point where you're not very good anymore for a couple of seasons and you're going to have to deal with it. But... I, I have no sympathy for the Chicago Blackhawks whatsoever <laughs> because it worked for them. They won multiple times. Right. So they got what they wanted. And, and obviously, there, like you said, there was most likely some kind of issue with Stan Bowman and Joel Quinville that, that resulted in this because Blackhawks weren't necessarily playing bad. But we could all see that they probably weren't going to compete with the, the heavyweights in the Central Division this year. And no. I think I think personally it's a good move for this team moving forward because to get rid of coach they're not, not going to compete with this core anymore. I don't think this core is going to get them back into the playoffs and win a Stanley cup. When you're looking at Seabrook and Keith and, and Corey Crawford, of course, Taves and Kane are likely going to be there for a long time just because of their contracts and the stature that they have in this organization. But I think it, it's a good time to bring in a new voice to that locker room, a different voice. They brought in a lot younger coach and they have a, a lot of young players in that lineup. I think that is a, a perfect time to bring in a guy like that and, and change things up. I think it's about time they change stuff. They weren't playing a great system either. It's not like Quinville's coaching was still – a plus and that system that they played in the past hey, was working hundred hey, percent. Hey, hey, let's let's reel this into some ducks talk. You don't think his system's great. There, there seems to be a lot of ducks fans who want to fire Andy Carlisle. I mean, I'm one of them. Um, yeah. and they want to bring in a guy named uh, Joel Quinville. We just talked about here getting let go from the Hawks. I don't want to make this I, I know you and I have a lot to say about what goes on in the NHL and so does Jason. We all we all love that aspect of the game too. It's not just ducks, but in, in reference to what Ducks fans are saying here, how do you feel about Quinville in general about being a good coach? And would he even fix Anaheim? We all know he's not coming here. But uh, yeah. we're talking about how Ducks fans feel. There, there's no 
there's no way he's getting here. But if he were, do you think it'd be that much of an upgrade over Randy Carlisle? You said you just, I mean, you like his system to begin with. I think it would be an upgrade for sure because Randy Carlisle's okay. system is is horrible and it, it clearly doesn't work. But I just mean, I don't think bringing in Joel Quinville makes this team that much better. I, I think obviously he's clearly a better coach, clearly, and and bringing that in is going to help. But does I think what a lot of people look at is is his past success and like oh he won Stanley Cup so he's the second winningest coach in NHL history. It's like it's like when Babcock was available, everybody's like oh we got to bring in Mike Babcock because that's going to immediately make our team that much better. Sure. That could be the case. Or Joel Quinville could come in and make this team marginally better and not change anything. And I think that's the same for any head coach at, at this point right now. I don't think the Ducks, with anybody behind the bench, are a Stanley Cup contender. I just don't think they are. No. I don't think with the, the roster they have in place that they're going to be a Stanley Cup contender, which is why I'm I'm more, when I'm looking at a different possible head coach for the Ducks I'm looking at the same angle the Blackhawks went where they're looking for a younger coach or a less experienced coach somebody that could bring something new to the league that not necessarily everybody has seen and I feel like we kind of know what we're going to get from Joel Quinville just like we knew what we were going to get from Randy Carlisle you, you, he has a, a system that he's 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 ran and had success with in Chicago he's a great coach but I just I'm I'm not a fan of it. And then you have to look at the question as well: Is the Ducks even going to be able to afford a guy like no. that? No, six million dollars they, for a coach. They're not going to they're not going to pay that. They didn't they weren't going to pay Mike Babcock for for that type of money. Um, even though Babcock was pretty much set on going to the Leafs to begin with. But no, there's there will be other teams who will pay a lot more and have a better roster situation than the Ducks do. I mean, the Blues if they fire Mike Yo, which they might do now, even though they won tonight, they might fire him just to go get Joel Quinville. Because that would be a huge upgrade Anaheim, for them. Right? Oh yeah. Well, that would be the <laughs> that would be the likely situation, wouldn't it? Because that would be the type of guy they would they would uh, they would hire. But there's other teams out there. Florida, I think, is is maybe a more favorable destination than Anaheim at this point. Um, if you're Joel Quinville, just Rocks looking at the young players talent. they have, yeah, and, and looking at the young players you have in that roster, um, I think they are built for a little bit more long term success than the Ducks are. Any coach you bring in. He's going to look at this roster and say, we could be bad for the next two or three seasons, no matter what I do, just because of, of the way this roster is set up. Am I willing to sit here and endure that? Which is why I think you're going to have to get a guy who has limited coaching experience that's going to come into this team, like Dallas Eakins or Ricard Gromberg, like we talked about, or among others, and guys who are just looking to get a job in the NHL. Joel Quinville can pick wherever he wants to go. He'll get offers from a lot of different teams, and he'll have right. a choice. And I really don't think Anaheim's high on his list. I don't think so either. You want to get some, to uh, some questions here now that we've wrapped pretty much all the major news? Yeah, you didn't want to talk about the oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uber let's get, let's get to, I, uh, to. I, have, I have quite a bit to say about the Ottawa Senators Uber fiasco. For those of you who don't know, on October 29th, the Ottawa Senators were in Phoenix, gotten an Uber. There were seven of them. Um, all decided to kind of just voice their concerns with the team. <laughs> Say some things about uh, an assistant coach who was in charge of the defense there. Um, I mean, it's honestly, it's like if you're out to you're out to lunch with your buddies and you start, you know, talking about work, talking shop, complaining about people. Uh, let's be honest. There's not a single NHL player where this this hasn't happened with them at some point, where they're going to complain about a player, complain about a coach. These are human beings. Uh, yeah. I know some people, even friends of mine, are like, well, you can't expect anything to be private. You're in someone else's car. It's like, no, 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 no. 
No. It's a personal conversation. I shouldn't be held liable. Uh, no one should be posting what I said if I'm in a, in a vehicle talking about my job. Uh, the, the Uber driver is a complete douchebag. He complained about not getting a tip or was like a low tip, so he decided to yeah. use the video and post it. Uh, what an ass. I, I, it's so frustrating to see this. I, I was. I, I think everything is funny that goes on with Ottawa. I think it's hilarious what's going on with that organization because I don't like Eugene Melnick and what he stands yeah. for and how he treats his fans. But these are the players that are suffering here. And I think it's just total, utter, excuse my language, if you have kids in the car, utter bullshit that uh, he thinks it's a, a great idea to post this video and it got out. I feel really bad for the Senators' players. I do in a way. I, I mean, yeah, the the cab driver or the Uber driver is a dick for yeah. going out and putting that money. 100%. But let's be honest. I, I feel like ninety percent of the people listening to this right now, if if like the I, he released the Ottawa citizens. So if they offered you like ten grand for that video, if you I mean, obviously he went to them because they didn't know this video existed. But if he said, "How much are you going to give me for this video I've got?" and they said, "Oh, we'll give you ten thousand dollars," most of you will give that video to the newspaper and take the $10,000 and run. Let's be honest, right? I, I would. I would be the dick, and I would give them the video for $10,000. I could use that money more than it's going to hurt the the players who, it, it, uh, who are implicated in the video. It sucks. But like most people have said already today, this happens all the time, and they just got caught on camera doing it. More often than not, the, the players are going to disagree with what the coach has to say at some point, and they're going to vent to each other. And it just so happens this time they were being filmed. And hilariously enough, again, it was the Ottawa Senators who were caught up in some type of situation like this. But yeah, I think we can all agree, agree. The, the Uber driver was a dick, but it's not that big of a deal, honestly. They didn't say anything they made too it a offensive. Giant deal. They did. Yeah, they made it a giant deal because nobody sees this, but we all know what happens. But it, they didn't say anything that was that offensive. No, it wasn't they, that they, bad. They were mocking Marty Raymond a bit, saying that like making fun of stuff that he says at, at practice and during video sessions. And you know, they were Matt Shane said he hasn't paid attention for for three weeks, which was hilarious. <laughs> Why to, would you to hear that? But yeah, I I think it was blown out of proportion a bit. But one that probably has to be because it's the Senators again. And all this stuff that comes out always seems to be centered around somebody in the senator's organization. So I think that played a big part in it. But I don't know. I, I, I just thought it was funny, to be honest. I think Dmitry Filipovich came out and said he knows what the Island, or what, not the Islanders, what the Ottawa Senators need right now is for Mark Boriecki to sit down with Eugene Melnick and talk it out. Something along those lines, which he already did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just totally mocking them. Have another an one. I, they should have all, you know, what they should have done. They should have all came out and had an apology video where they sat down, all seven of them sat down and talked each one to by Eugene one. Melnick. With a no, just all in the same each. room. Oh, all the same just room. All in the same room. Yeah, because they're all sitting on one couch together, and Melnick's just sitting at like, a, a, like on a throne. And oh, they're of course. Just, they're just all apologizing the on their the knees castle, to King Eugene of the Melnick. Castle, King of the castle. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's just. Uh, the only one who got out of that unscathed was Alex Fermentin because he got sent down to London two days before this video got to ah. So he didn't have <laughs> so to go. No he didn't have to go into practice the next day and face all the coaches after they heard him talking crap. So he got lucky. So um, uh, real quick, before we get to questions, Chris Smith in our speaker chat says, the coach doesn't matter much anymore in the NHL. The Ducks biffed by not hiring Travis Green when they could have. Um I've always been kind of that mindset that uh, I feel like the coaching effect is a little overplayed. 
Uh, I don't think it's a hundred percent overplayed though, because it, they always, you know, institute all the systems, and you have to play it to a system and adhere to a system for the most part. But if you don't like the guy, you're probably not going to play as hard as for a guy you like, and that's just the way it is. It goes no matter what job yeah. you have. So I think a better coach makes a difference. But yeah, I agree. The needle's not moving. You know, skyward to a Stanley Cup if we had Joe Quimble uh, in Anaheim. But uh, either. No. And that Travis Green situation at the time, I think we all kind of agreed that that was a little bit early for the Ducks to go that coaching route. And, and a guy who is relatively unproven in the NHL. I, you know, I, I was one that advocated for them to go that direction at that time and go for a, a coach like Travis Green. We have no idea if it would have worked out better for the Ducks or not. No. But. It's it's. I think they're in a different situation now. I mean, they're again, they're in the same position coaching wise, where we're getting some people who want a, a veteran NHL coach like Joel Quinville, and some people who want a guy with little to no experience in Dallas Eakins or, or Ricard Gronberg, among others. So, again, we're in that situation. I think now we're further down the road that the Ducks are, are closer to uh, a rebuild or a retool, if you want to call it that, where they're going to be bad for at least a couple seasons. So maybe going into a younger coach or a guy with less experience and letting him work with this team and, and figure out what he wants to do is a better option. But yeah, I, I think if Joel Quinville was available back then, probably would have made sense. Definitely would have made sense. If you were picking between him and Randy Carlo at that time, <laughs> it's an, it's an easy pick, but I think at, at this point, one, the Ducks won't Is pay though, what he wants. They picked Randy and, Carlisle over Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah, but I mean, it, you like as you fired Bruce Boudreaux, so you can't bring they him fired in. Randy. I mean, yeah, but I mean, like looking at who was available after Boudreaux was fired, you had Randy Carlisle, Travis right. Green, and like a couple other guys, but it really only came down to those two. Um, and then Randy Carlisle was obviously hired, but. I, I don't know. Uh, I think it's a, a little bit more clear cut this time that, uh, at least in my opinion, that you go with uh, a, a guy who necessarily isn't as experienced or had been around the league as much as, as Joel Quinville, as much as, as people want. I just don't think that's the right option for the Ducks at this point. You're signaling a rebuild at that point. People, I don't anybody necessarily else so. without NHL experience, you're, you're signaling a rebuild. But I, I think. A rebuild also constitutes what this team has in place player-wise, and I don't think they're – I think they've set themselves up for more of a retail to begin with. I think no matter who you bring in right now coaching-wise, it's not going to change the position you're in in a rebuild or a retool. I, yeah, I don't see – bring in a guy with only international experience, um, no NHL coaching experience, it's a big deal. Well, even if you talk – even just leave, let's even say Dallas Eakins, if you bring him in, are you saying that signals a rebuild as well? No. It's within the organization. He, has, he he knows all the players. He's coached in NHL before. Um, he's he's well known. You're bringing in an unknown uh, who's never played or coached in NHL. And I get the 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 ties with with Gromborg, but uh, I just don't think it's a great fit right now. That the Ducks don't have the the chips to move. They can't mm-hmm. the heavy the heavy hitting contracts. They can't get rid of them. So trying to restructure a full rebuild. Um, I, to me, it doesn't make any sense. I, I feel like uh, the Ducks need to find a way to retool on the fly. Uh, that's that's kind of where well, I'm going. I mean, they're doing that, though. I mean, the, no matter what you do coaching-wise, this team, in my opinion, only has two more competitive years, likely, before they have to find somebody to replace Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry, or at least their production in the lineup. No matter if you bring in Dallas Eakins, you bring in Joel Quinville, you bring in Ricard Gromberg, that's still going to be the case that this team has two more productive years. 
the only thing that changes is maybe the mindset behind the bench, which I think, again, for sure, that could change whether you decide to be competitive for these next two years or not. But I think that's the only impact it has. So whether bringing in Dallas Eakins means you're going to try and compete and the mindset around the organization is that you're going to push for the Stanley Cup for these next two years and that you're going to sell off assets to bring in players and you're going to still be in that mindset. And if you brought in Ricard Gromberg, maybe it's that we're going to sell off assets now and then we're going to build for the future. So we're going to be bad for these next two years. That mm. All those decisions fall on Bob Murray per se. I mean, they could bring in Ricard Gromberg if they wanted to. And this is all, again, on Bob Murray's decision and decide as an organization to still go and compete for the playoffs. Might not be the best option. But again, it doesn't all really, in my opinion, come down to coaching as much as it does the direction that Bob Murray wants to take with this team. Hmm. I Yeah. I get it, but I, I just feel like having a stabilizing factor of a, of a known quantity. For sure. With, with what, that's what Bob Murray's going to do. He's never going to bring in an outsider. So, oh, yeah. Eakins is going to be the interim replacement, for sure. I don't see anybody else that, that could come into that position at this point. No, no, I agree with you. Let's get to some questions, man, because we have a whole 30-minute interview to play with Josh Cooper that's going to yeah, extend this way past everyone's bedtimes. So let's see what we can do with these questions. All right, uh, Eric West on Facebook Ooh. asked, does Carlisle survive the whole season? No, he gets fired before Thanksgiving. Yeah, I, I especially if I mean, this game could have cemented it. Um, if they lose tomorrow, which unfortunately looks – I don't want – I hate being negative. Like I hate being <laughs> negative in the point saying it looks like they're going to lose, but tomorrow doesn't look good either. This could have sealed it for him, but I don't see them firing him now because they have a game back-to-back. Honestly – no matter the result tomorrow, I think he might be done. Like this was an embarrassing loss to a division rival, a team that the, He's the, got the that Ducks' biggest card. rival. He's got that injury card. Not really, though. Not really. I mean, what Josh Manson, Andre Kasha. That's it. You've got everybody else back. Ryan Getzlaff and Kessler are in this lineup. They weren't in this lineup. You lost four one. Then you could have that, but they lost four to one. Badly, badly outplayed. Really, to a Kings team that just had their coach fired. This is the worst outcome they really could have had for this game. I don't see – and this is coming off a seven-game losing streak, then winning a game where you played significantly better in, and then you have a rebound performance like this where you play awful again. I don't think he makes it past this game against Calgary unless they blow them out of the water. They won't. It's going to be a close Um, game if they win. Yeah, so let's – sorry, I just got a message from somebody on Twitter. Um, Jimmy, again, this is from Carlisle, so this is relevant. Um We'll go through this quickly because we just answered, but he wants to know if Carlisle will be fired by Monday. So this is a little bit more short term. Ooh, by Monday. So you said by Thanksgiving. Do you think he'll be fired by Monday? He'll get canned by Thanksgiving. I think he'll be fired by Monday. I think this game was the last draw. I think he's fired. Interesting. I think think no matter how tomorrow's game goes, I think he's done. But, I I mean, I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. Uh, Canadian Girl wants to know, are we really worse than the Kings? Oh boy, that's a tough question. Um, yeah, right now, Kings are scoring goals against us. I mean, the Ducks haven't played well. They got lucky the first few games. What's their record? Right, they went zero and went zero five and two, won a game, and then lost again. That's great. Yeah, they're they're not one uh, six and two good. in their last nine games. Let me pull up their their direct record after tonight's game. Uh, if this isn't updated, then they were five eight and five eight and one going into this game, I believe, unless it's updated now. So, not good, 
Not good at all. No. So that's either their record right now or their record going into this game. But uh, worse than the Ducks. I think the Ducks with Randy Carlo behind the bench are, are worse. Yeah. I think they are worse than the Kings. I, I, I Unfortunately, I, I think they are. And this game kind of showed it. Um, <laughs> all these questions, of course, are all uh, – I think it was Ricky asked, can we fire Carlisle now? Yes, it keeps getting shorter and shorter. It's like, how long is he going to last? Is he going to be fired by Monday? Can we fire him tonight? Um, I would like to, but I don't think it's going to happen. Anybody expecting a giant fix by firing Carlisle has to understand no. it's not the case. There, There's fundamental problems with this team. But a new voice will help, and, I, and they definitely need a new system. But I don't want anybody to get the idea that I'm on some bandwagon to fire Carlisle. That way this team is going to make the playoffs. This team has a lot of hurdles to climb before they get there. Um, going off Twitter, the only other question that wasn't can we fire Carlisle was uh, what's it going to take to finally get uh, Bob Murray fired? Holy hell, a bad draft. Have you seen this guy draft players? Yeah. As much of a hard time as I get Bob Murray, I'm not an idiot. I know that he drafts well. Uh, look, at, look at the young guys coming up in the system. Uh, we asked Josh Cooper on this, too, so stay tuned for that interview. He, he talks about the same issue here, uh, and why, uh, he gets some answers on his own about how he feels about Bob Murray. But uh, for me, I, I don't think he's in danger right now. No, I, I don't think so. And uh, that looks like it was pretty much it for the interview. So are we going to we gonna play the, the interview now and then come back after? Are we going to end it now and play the interview? Well, we already teased him. I was going to play it. We'll play it. Okay, so we're going to play the interview with Josh Cooper that we had, uh, that we recorded yesterday, and then we'll come back and close the show out after the interview. Well, let's just close out the show and then play the interview. Let's do that. Oh, well, now we're all over the place. Okay, so well, let's, <laughs> let's close out the show. Let's, we had a couple things to announce that if you weren't on the last show that we announced, we did announce that we're having an interview with Josh Cooper. That obviously already happened. Now it's going to be on tonight's show. Uh, Max Jones said that he would uh, do an interview with us at some point. Uh, we're hoping to do that on Thursday, but they're coming back from Tucson, so we'll keep you posted on that. Hopefully, we'll have that um, coming up on one of the, the next few episodes, maybe an episode next week. Hopefully, that will be up for one of those, but that should be fun. And mid-show, mid you don't know this yet, but Rick, my boy Ricard Gromberg got back to us, and he's agreed to do an interview for the show, so he'll be coming really? on the podcast. He's coming on the at show at some point. Ooh. So, so, so we've got Max Jones coming up, and we've got Ricard Gromberg, uh, Zach Gray, who does a, a Ducks, the the Ducks fan reaction on YouTube. He'll be co-hosting the show likely with us tomorrow, and then at some point we also are going to have Ducks Twenty First Duck Michael Liu on the show as well. So we we've got a lot of uh, interviews scheduled for upcoming shows. Uh, but that's that's pretty much what we have going Ricard on. Ricard Gromberg got back to you and said he's going to come on the show. That's he exciting did. news. He did. He did. I got to so, be very nice uh, now. The higher Gromberg about him, but I'd be very interested <laughs> to see what he has to say about coming to the NHL. I'm excited yeah. for that one, man. It's going to be a goodie. Um, so yeah, we have we have uh, Zach Gray coming on the show tomorrow. It looks like like you said to co-host. That should be fun too. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, you know where to find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Forever Mighty. Uh, post-game show. You can look us up there as well on Spreaker. Uh, we're on iTunes. Go leave us a review. Give us a five-star rating. It helps us out. It helps spread the word. We show up in the rankings there. Hit us up on YouTube. Hit subscribe. That makes a huge difference if you go to YouTube. Hit subscribe. That helps us out with views there as well. Uh, leave a comment if you'd like. We get back to everybody. Hit the bell, too, and yeah, it'll tell you bell. when we go live. Yeah, get the, get the yeah. notification when we go live. And if you or, any, uh, you or anybody you know wants to be involved in our Patreon with the bonus shows, we're recording a bonus show this weekend. Um, you can help us out at Patreon. 
Um, that's also listed on our social media as well, patreon.com slash puckguysforevermighty. You can go there. Uh, we do four bonus shows. We do a QA show every month. We do a ranch show where the guys try to piss me off every month, which is fun. Um, we also do a top 10 show. And what am I forgetting here? We have the QA top 10 ranch show. And oh, we do a pucks and uh, basically pucks and beers. So we have drinks yeah. and, uh, we and talk about game hockey. Show. And yeah, we, we do the game and show. you also get to come on the show and win a surprise. Uh, a prize, actually, a surprise. A prize. Uh, Dave Rodriguez won an autograph, Paul Correa. Uh, memorabilia which we got to get over to him as well but uh so come join us any way you like and uh, we appreciate all the feedback everyone in chats uh, we'll talk to you guys soon stay tuned here we got josh cooper coming up right now have a great night everybody hey everybody welcome back it's uh another interview here on the forever mighty post game show tonight we have josh cooper joining us from the athletic what's up josh thanks for taking time no worries thanks for having me on no, we definitely needed it with all the L.A. Kings stuff going around with the Ducks playing them here. Uh, it was like just perfect timing. It was written in the stars for you to be on our show. So, you know, we love we love the fact that you're on here. We can get we can get cracking about these topics. Yeah, it was funny. I remember when we were trying to figure out a time. I was like, yeah, I could probably do Monday unless, you know, someone gets fired. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then John Stevens got fired, but you know, for, but I mean, there's nothing fortunate about that at all. But I mean, as far as scheduling goes, uh, you know, a lot of the availability was this morning. So, uh, so I'm free right now, and I've been able to uh, scoot away from bath time for my one-year-old to talk to you guys. Well, yeah, last time we talked to you, you were getting ready to head out on summer vacation back in July, huh? Right. So it's it's only been a couple of months. A lot of things have changed here in Southern California for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that's gone on. All the expectations we had for both of these teams have just completely sunk, um, which is pretty interesting. I mean, the Ducks, to me, uh, they've shown some signs of life and potential with the young kids, even though they've moved them around. Uh some guys have had to go down to the minors. Uh, but overall, I mean, even though it's been a bit of an uneven start, I think you see some potential there with the Kings. I think everybody's just kind of sitting back and thinking, what in the world has gone on here? And can you blo- are you able to blow this thing up if you need to just because they have so many huge contracts uh, from guys that help them win those Stanley Cups? So, uh, yeah, a lot's happened in the last uh, – two months i'm not sure if the Ilya kovalchuk signing had happened when i talked to you all in uh, in july but um yeah i mean there's i think uh there's been a lot <laughs> there's been a lot that's happened for sure well let's hop right into what's gone on in la so i mean clearly we all know that john stevens gets let go along with his associate coach um willie desjardins comes in and you know you've been one to say that uh i think you you had mentioned you know say what you want about about desjardins in vancouver but he didn't have a losing season between 2003 2004 and then 2014 2015 what about him did you always like um and what do you think he's going to be able to bring to the kings here he just wins everywhere and everywhere he goes people really like him and it's just a fascinating thing. Just no one can, no players or people who've worked with him. And I did a story for the athletic that ran today about him. No one can say a bad thing about this guy. I think they can see a guy who is probably going to just tailor whatever he does to the team's strengths. Uh, he's a guy that, at least from talking to people about him, really just kind of sees what he has and then goes with it. He gets players uh, to buy into him just by being a good person to them and being positive and letting them know that if they all do what he's asking, then they'll probably have success. And look, I mean, even though at the NHL level, 
the results were mixed, he had won everywhere before that. I mean, his last playoff appearance, or last time he missed the playoffs as a head coach was when he was in Japan with the Cebu Bears in the mid-90s. So I, I've always really liked him. I thought he didn't get a fair shake in Vancouver because they didn't have a lot there when he was there. Uh, the best year he had was really the last good year that the Sedin twins had anyway. And yeah, when, you know, you're, when Daniel Sedin and Henrik Sedin are awesome, then your team is probably going to be really good. But they started falling off after that. Their young guys didn't really pick up. And uh, really, it took the Sedin twins retiring for them to actually finally hit full rebuild mode. But overall, I mean, I, I just think he didn't get a fair shake there. Uh, I think that uh, he's been patiently waiting for this opportunity. He's incredibly well-respected. He's a career grinder, and I think that that can wear off on the Kings. I mean, look, like John Stevens, as good as he was for as long as he was with the Kings, was not a guy – I mean, he was a guy who had won two Stanley Cups there. You need someone, I think, to sort of show that desperation of what it's like to be someone who has never won, who is constantly pushing and trying hard to be relevant in this league. and. Uh, Willie Desjardins, I mean, he had a really interesting moment today when he met with the media where he just basically said, you know, just you just have to – there's really in hockey no promise of next season. There's no promise of anything. That's why you just have to focus on this season and not thinking about the future. And he said, look, like I didn't know if I was ever going to get a second shot, and I want to take advantage of it, and I want these guys to take advantage of their shot as well. So just speaking a little more about him, I know that there's been a lot of, of uh, talk around both Anaheim and L.A. Uh, about the teams having to play fast and how these teams are old and slow. And you had mentioned that it's a bit lazy to say that. Um, and I know that you would talk to him about that. What do you, how do you feel about playing fast? And with his reply to you, uh, do you believe that he's able to change how the team is able to play uh, when it comes to mentally playing quick, as he had said? Well, to be honest, I mean, the team played fast last year. It's not like they were slow last year. And I think that saying they got swept by Vegas and that was evidence of them playing slow was also relatively lazy because Vegas was a buzzsaw in the playoffs last year. A lot of teams just did not play well against them because they were so fast. And it honestly took a group that played a very heavy style of hockey, being the Washington Capitals, that also had some speed players on the team to beat Vegas. And so I, I think that these teams can play fast. I mean, you, you have to be able to skate to play in the NHL. You have to be able to have some speed to play in the NHL. The difference between a speed team and a non-speed team is so minute and it's so small. It's not that much. So and there's only a few players in this league that legitimately have so much speed that you can't catch them. And that's a guy like Connor McDavid or Dylan Larkin, uh, someone like that. And there's just not a lot of them out there. And a lot of teams, don't have that so overall I think that you can play fast I think that and look every every coach has their own philosophy about playing fast but I'll just never forget in the 2015-16 season watching the Pittsburgh Penguins when they came through Southern California how god-awful they looked they were slow they looked (laughs) terrible and then all of a sudden they make a coaching change and they're this just speed team out of nowhere and and that's just sometimes what it is it's like these guys they know how to skate. They know how to play. Um, from a Kings perspective, just because I know the organization a little bit better than the Ducks, uh, their strength and conditioning staff is tremendous. Uh, I, I know them pretty well, and they're, I guess, as well as a reporter can know a strength and conditioning uh, coach or team, and they do incredible work. And 
uh, you know, I have to think that they were on these guys over the summer to, to work on their speed game, but for whatever reason, they just weren't playing fast. So uh, I think you can, and I do think it's a lazy narrative to say, oh, they're not fast. Again, you have to be able to skate to play in this league. And I don't think that they're as slow as people get them, give them credit for. Are they speed demons? No. I mean, Kyle Clifford's not, you know, he's not, definitely not Connor McDavid, but he's a lot, but the team as a whole is a lot quicker than a lot of people give him credit for. And the same goes with the Ducks, too. I, I, I've never found Ryan Getzloff to be a slow hockey player. And there's this weird sort of thought process that he is. I mean, he's, he's not. You don't have that success by being super slow. So overall, I think they can play fast. Um, and whether that's the best way for them to win, I don't know. But I certainly think that uh, any team in this league with the right mindset and attitude and buy-in can play fast and do really well. Well, if, if everybody buys into Willie Desjardins' system in L.A., and, of course, you've still got franchise players like Anze Kopitar and Drew Doughty, how much better can it get for L.A. under Willie Desjardins? Are they going to become a playoff team under him, or how much better is it going to get for them? You know, I'm not sure. Uh, I think, on the one hand, if things are successful with him, then, yeah, you keep him. Uh, and you move forward with him. If they don't, then you move forward. Then you kind of fire sell at the deadline, which I think Lisa Dillman, my coworker, kind of intimated in her story um, that they could be sellers at the deadline if they don't get better. And then you look at Marcus Durham as a possible replacement next year, a guy they're bringing in as an assistant coach this year. So overall, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what to expect out of this, but I do think that Willie Desjardins is, is, a much better hire than people are giving him credit for. And I really, I know personally enjoyed uh, watching, uh, watching him play, or I guess talking to him today. I thought it ended up working out really well with how he spoke to the media. So uh, you were, we were just talking a little bit about uh, speed. And uh, when you think about speed, you think about quick, specifically Jonathan. Now, you wrote an article. Nice segue. (laughs) Right? You like that? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You wrote an article talking about uh, how a style of play could kind of lead to more injuries. Obviously, he didn't read that because he's now injured and out three to six weeks with a uh, a knee injury. What are your thoughts on Quick? And uh, at this point, how how vital is he going to be to the Kings' success, at least this season and in the foreseeable future? Well, first off, I hope he gets better, and I hope that he ends up getting back to playing at a very high level because I was talking to some people about this and yeah, I was like, you know, when you're a reporter and you're writing these stories, you don't really think about just the people you're writing about. And uh, with Jonathan quick, he's probably the most entertaining goalie of my lifetime, maybe <laughs> second most uh, a lot of ways behind Dominic Hasek. I mean, maybe you have Hasek quick Patrick Waugh just because of how much he beat up everyone around him. Same with Hextall, maybe, but uh, but no. But Jonathan, joking aside, Jonathan Quick is such a such an incredibly entertaining people uh, or entertaining, sorry, entertaining uh, player. Um, you know, I just uh, you hope that he ends up kind of getting back to what he was. That being said, I think with my story, my question was mostly, can he? Uh, and does he need to make an adjustment? And it seems that a lot of people think that he does need to make an adjustment because if he doesn't, then he continues to be injured. So uh, overall, I think that, um, I think that for him, for, for him to be healthy, just based off of 
to people I've spoken with, maybe there is an adjustment that has to be made, but the one thing the Kings can do um, is play him less, and they're just going to end up doing that this year anyway because he is injured. So uh, I, I think that that's the one thing they can do to keep him healthy is to play him less and um, you know not have him be that kind of 60-game workhorse. But the other thing, too, and it's crazy just how this happens, you feel like, you know, he's got the, such a young man's type game. All of a sudden you look up and he's going to be 33 years old in January. And, yeah, I mean, that's not old per se as far as, you know, most humans go. But as a hockey player, that's pretty old. And the way he plays, that's, that's also relatively old. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just pretty interesting how that's all sort of broken down. But you hope he's going to end up being okay because he's so entertaining. But on the other hand, you do have to think if, or think that maybe this, if this is kind of the end of Jonathan Quick as we know it, how he has to adjust to stay um, effective and what the Kings have to do to enable him to stay effective. Yeah, now I actually I play goalie, and I'm nearing that 33-year uh, uh, mark as well, so I can attest to uh, having to change my style. Uh, mine is more because I'm uh, not as light as I once was. But uh, the one thing mm-hmm. I always loved about Quick is he seemed to be a guy who could – he could move. He could be in the splits and move side to side, uh, and and mm-hmm. you don't quite see where he does that nearly as much anymore. Um, so same with me, uh, or same as you. I really enjoy watching him play. Uh, a lot of those desperation saves are just insanity. The way he does what he does. Uh, if quick is you know you know not the same quick that we've seen in the past. Uh, how do you feel about uh, the? replacement Campbell coming in and do you think he has a bright future either with the Kings or just in general I think he's incredibly athletic it's sometimes interesting in the sense of I watch him and I wonder if I'm watching just kind of a young Jonathan quick with how all over the place he is just with his speed and net and just his ability but uh yeah we did a story last summer about Jack Campbell Lisa Dillman did for the athletic where uh, Dusty Emu, the the Kings uh, sort of goaltending guru, so to speak, uh, said that he could be the next Martin Jones. And I watch him, and I think he could be. I mean, he has that type of skill. It's just a consistency thing with him. I think the Kings have gotten him to play at a very consistent level right now. And uh, if he can keep that up, then great. If he can't, then, um, you know, he could be a career backup. But overall, I, I like his game. He's a former first-round pick. As uh, my former coworker at Yahoo Sports, Sean Leahy, referred to him as an American hero just based off of <laughs> his World Junior performance years ago. Uh, but he's really good goaltender, um, and he's a guy that's got an incredible amount of skill. And uh, you're seeing it right now, and he's able to make some of those amazing saves that he does make. And one young player I want to talk about that the Kings haven't been able to see this year because of injury is Gabriel Velarde. He came off an, an outstanding OHL season, when which was, I guess was a half season. He only played 32 games last year, but he put up 58 points. I know it's a guy that a lot of fans, and especially people in the organization, have wanted to see. Once he's finally in the lineup, what do you think he can do for the Kings this season? I don't know. <laughs> like I really legitimately <laughs> don't know. Um, I, I only say that in the sense of you're putting him in a really bad situation here where the team isn't playing very well. Uh, there's kind of a losing environment going on right now. The coach just got fired. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how you handle him because I, I do think one of the reasons why they sent Jared Anderson Dolan down to, back down to junior 
in part had to do with the fact they didn't want him to be around this type of environment with the team when it wasn't winning. So uh, you put Gabe Velarde in that, and I don't know what type of impact it has on him as a hockey player. Uh, That being said, could he be part of the solution? He's clearly too good to play junior right now. There's no question about that. Uh, They can't put him in the AHL, though, just because of, uh, I guess it's the junior NHL reciprocity agreement. Uh, So I I really don't know what you do with him, but um, I do think that he could certainly help them if you put him in the lineup, but um, that's a really tough question. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what to expect out of him or, or how they're going to handle him. But I mean, when he's on, I mean, he's a guy and there's a scout who mentioned this to me last summer. And, and I mean, please no laughing at this, but he was, he said <laughs> he's like Bobby Ryan when Bobby Ryan was scoring, you know, 30 plus goals a year for the ducks and was a point per game player. Uh, and that's pretty good. Uh, I mean, regardless of what's happened to him since he left Anaheim, he had a really good run there for several years. So, uh, you know, if the Kings could have a player like that drafted 11th overall, uh, that's pretty good. And that's the type of guy that they can certainly use. But uh, I don't know what to expect out of him. He's also not a speed type player in this, this nebulous topic of speed that we keep talking about. I'm not quite sure, uh, you know, how he's going to help with that. But overall, I mean, he's, He's obviously someone with a lot of skill, and that's someone that's something that uh, anyone, right? That's something that any team in this league could use. Yeah, I mean, they they seem to be stuck in a similar situation to the Leafs, where when Mitch Marner could only go back down to London, or he could only come play up in Toronto. Obviously, it worked out for them because he came up to Toronto and scored sixty points in in, in his first season with them, and and everything worked out on that front. But yeah, I, I think you're right. It, it is a tough situation for the Kings to be put into. I think it'd be a lot easier if the coach hadn't been just fired. But now it, it's an interesting situation with him coming back and possibly being healthy right around the, the, the time for World Juniors. And the Kings are going to be put in that tough position. Right now, they've got Kopitar and Carter at center. If you were to bring Velarde in for third line center, I know it's, again, it's a tough question to answer, but do you think... His development is better served going and playing for Canada, the World Juniors, and playing with uh, his final season in the OHL or being a third-line center on a team that has a lot of transition going on. That's You know, maybe you just send him to the World Juniors, have him kind of do that as your training camp, so to speak, and then he comes back and he plays for you. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, th- I think that you have to at least try to play him 10 games, but he won't have the ability to have played in a training camp or preseason. So uh, so we don't know what he's going to bring at the NHL level just because of that. He's ne- like he, And I'm pretty sure he didn't play in training camp last year either, so, or rookie camp for that matter, because he was injured. So you're, you basically have a guy who's never done training camp, never done rookie camp uh, in two years, and you're going to bring him up right away, put him in the NHL. That's, I mean, regardless of how good he is, that's something that maybe wouldn't be wise developmentally, but also I don't know him as a player as well as the Kings do. So I'd have to defer to them on that. But I think you know, now you mentioned maybe having him go play for the world juniors as sort of his de facto training camp uh, is would probably be the best call because that's much better competition than in junior hockey. And then you're able to sort of get him up to speed there and then bring him back to the NHL level and see if he can jump back in. If that's even allowed, I'm not sure how the rules go with stuff like that, but um, but I mean, that may not, that may be the best option overall with him. Yeah. Switching gears a bit from a, a guy who hasn't played a game with the Kings to a guy who played a fair amount of games with the Kings before he left the NHL. Slava Voinov is appealing for reinstatement into the NHL. 
I, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on what you think. I know it's a testy subject for a lot of people, but what do you think uh, of Slava Voinov seeking return to the NHL? Uh, honestly, and I've been on the record saying this, I hope he doesn't play again in the NHL. Yeah. <laughs> I legitimately don't. I mean, what, like, just again, a lot of it, uh, you know, like there, there's a lot that we don't know, but just what we do know, it just sounds like an absolutely terrible situation. And I just, what he did, I mean, especially in today's era that we're living in right now, where these things have to be respected and understood. Um, I don't think he should be allowed to play again this week. Uh, if he does, then he does, and those are the rules. But this is just my opinion. I just don't think he should be allowed to anymore. I can only imagine the media storm that would ensue for whatever team ends up uh, bringing him back in. I, I would, I would hope to believe that no team would be interested in bringing him. But it, it's interesting the fact that he's seeking return to the NHL. I feel like as a player, you would only do that if you had some sort of offers to come back. I don't see why he would if nobody was was saying that they would take him on. So I mean, I I don't you know I, I can't uh, I can't understand why any team would want to bring him back. Yeah, no, I uh, I don't either. But I mean, he is a king's asset. Uh, if there's some team that wants him, maybe you can use him for that. But I mean. I personally speak, and this is just my opinion, uh, both socially, politically, um, as a human being, I just don't think he should play again in this league. But that's just my opinion. Yours and a lot of other people's for sure, man. Uh, just, to, just to kind of get to uh, hop off the Kings wagon here and talk about the Ducks for a second. Uh, given what happened, I know that nobody wishes anyone gets fired. Um, but do you think that's what's in store here for Randy Carlisle for the Anaheim Ducks? Oh, wow. First Ducks question. It's already a Randy one. <laughs> Everyone's been asking uh, us. You know what? They're, they're playing pretty well, like, the last few games since this team meeting that they held. And they're playing like, you know, they're playing like they normally do. Tough defensively, strong on the puck. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, he's had success. I, I, don't, I don't love the Randy haters, to be perfectly honest. I really, really don't. Um, he's a guy who, with the exception of one stop, again, if we're going to give Willie Desjardins the benefit of the doubt, uh, we got to give it to Randy Carlisle. With the exception of one stop, has been a really good coach, and he's he's a good coach. I mean, he's 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 won. He won a Stanley Cup, and yes, he had Pronger and Niedermeyer, but I, I think he's a good coach, and he's for whatever reason, I mean, he just has this stigma about him, and maybe it's just because he was a little surly his first time in Anaheim, and then. Things went south way fast in Toronto, but uh, I, I, I don't. I mean, if they keep playing this way and are able to play this type of structured, disciplined hockey, strong defensively, relying on John Gibson rubbing guys out, um, then no, I don't think he's going to get fired. But I think unlike the Kings, where Willie Desjardins came out of left field, um, they do have an in-house replacement in Dallas Eakins. Uh, but I was actually thinking about this in regards to him. I mean, maybe part of the reason he hasn't been uh, promoted yet is because he's so good as a developmental coach. Do you really want to do that? Because all your guys are developing so well in San Diego right now because of him. But either way, uh, I, I, you know, look, if the, if the Ducks play the way they have the last couple of games, I think Randy Carlisle's not going to be fired because they've looked pretty good. 
How hot do you think Bob Murray's seat is, though? If anything, if this if this ends up being the season from hell, which a lot of people seem to think it's going to be, like there's no way to right the ship, you know, given the fact that uh, the team hasn't played well at the gate. But I mean, notoriously, they've always come around the second half of the season. But if this is the case, do you really feel like Bob Murray's seat's on fire, or do you think he's still got more time? His seat's ice cold right now. They have so many. I mean, we've seen they've got so many good young players in the organization. He's done such a good job uh, just directing, I guess, how they handled their assets. I mean, I know Martin Madden's the guy that does the draft, but uh, how they develop their assets, the people he brings in around him. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think Bob Murray is just a phenomenal general manager. I definitely, I mean, if, if you let him go, then. I mean, that's not a smart decision, in my opinion. He really knows. He know. I mean, the coaching decision notwithstanding in regards to how people feel about Randy, I think Bob really knows what he's doing. Um, I think he runs a very, very efficient ship in Anaheim. I mean, people forget that the team doesn't exactly ooze a lot of money. Um, in fact, it does actually technically ooze money. <laughs> um, they, they're, I mean, I guess they're not technically <laughs> profitable. Um, I guess sort of they don't rake in a lot of money would be the right term. But, uh, you know, and he runs it in a way where he's able to be efficient, gets guys under great contracts, uh, really takes a hard line, doesn't care. And he's a great general manager for this era, in my opinion, and got some really smart people around him. And I, I think that uh, his seat's got to be ice cold. I would definitely... If he got let go, someone would be really smart to scoop him up right away. He does a really good job. Well, a lot of Anaheim fans would probably disagree with you on that one. Um, We've been hearing a whole lot where a lot of uh, Anaheim fans are actually calling for a rebuild. Uh, I mean, given the mix of the the older guys' contracts and the youth that's kind of coming up but not quite there, um, do you think it's a smart path for this organization? I know you kind of touched on it with Bob Murray a little bit there. Uh, but do you think uh, a full rebuild is a viable option for the Ducks? Mm, don't know. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, I would have said no, just because of how well the young guys were playing. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a tough question. I they're They're interesting in that they've got some older guys under big contracts, but They've also got a lot of really, really, really good contracts on that team. It's not like the Kings where they have a lot of really bad contracts. So I don't know. I mean, because, like, if, if you're going to rebuild, really, at the end of the day, all you do is have to get rid of Getzloff, Perry, and Kessler, and that's it. Like, whereas the Kings, I feel like they have to get rid of their, you know, half their team right now. So, yeah. uh, I mean, the Ducks already have pieces to come up and – play high-end NHL roles, uh, I mean, I think you've already – you're rebuilding on the fly. You're like the Sharks, which is a good thing. And maybe have – this could be maybe your down year, and then all of a sudden you're back up, and uh, you get Eric Carlson, and then boom, uh, you're <laughs> so, uh, so we'll just wait for the next uh, no, Eric Carlson then. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, well, pr- pretty much. But, well, he is going to be available as a free agent <laughs> right now. Uh, not for us. At the moment, at least. <laughs> well, maybe not for you guys, but uh, <laughs> I. But but seriously, I, I think they're way better than uh, I think they're much better off than than people give them credit for. I think that they actually have some long term stability and viability, and the cupboard is really really full among prospects there. 
Well, hey, Josh, thanks so much for taking the time. I know that uh, we caught you during the middle of the week and you're with family. So if you guys don't already own a subscription to The Athletic, go get it now. Uh, what the just, hell's wrong with you? Yeah, what is wrong with you guys? It's, it's easily the best <laughs> place to go. It, it's putting other, um, I mean, I hate to say people out of business, but I mean, it really is the best place to go get hockey news based on team, based on NHL, all in general. You got everything there. All the best writers are there. But uh, Josh, can't thank you enough for taking the time, man. We really appreciate it. We also allow curse words. Yes. Yay. <laughs> <Allow> curse words. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of this, real quick, quick plug for the athletic. Um, Eric Stevens, our tremendous Ducks beat reporter, got a quote from Ryan Getzlaff where he called a team or called the team or I guess the game that they had played bleeping embarrassing, um, and we put the bleeping the actual word in the headline. Um, and fucking, fucking embarrassing. Yeah, you can say yeah, that. Yeah, fucking here. embarrassing. Yeah, okay, I didn't know you said it. Here. Uh, and and you know what? I mean, it's what he said. And there's a certain nuance to this language in the game. And um, you know, you, if you want to know exactly what the guys say, if you don't want anything watered down, we we do it. So anything and everything goes there. Love it. Yeah, so you can check out Josh Cooper on Twitter, at Joshua Cooper. That's where you're going to find the majority of his stuff if you're not looking at The Athletic. Again, Josh, thanks for the time, man. We really appreciate it. It's going to be a great game tomorrow night. Or, well, yeah, tomorrow night. People listen to it right now after the game. But Ducks, Kings, we got going on. Uh, hopefully we'll have you on again soon, man. Thanks so much. Yep, thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye, Josh. All right, thanks, thanks guys. Appreciate it. Take care.